May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a real privilege to be here with you today, and thank you very much for inviting me to preach. Um, I don't, I'm not usually very comfortable preaching in a pulpit, because I don't like to be above contradiction. Um, so anything I say over coffee, you can blow out of the water if you want to. <laughs> For many people in Britain, Christmas ended with the Queen's speech uh, on Christmas afternoon. And even in more traditional churches and homes, the Christmas tree has now gone because, of course, we've passed Epiphany. However, the Church Universal is still celebrating the season of the Nativity and will go, go on doing so for 40 days. It would have been lovely to join you for your carol service last night and I quite understand why you've postponed it to today because of the awful weather uh, because one of the sad things about church in, in Britain these days is that we seem to start earlier and earlier with carols and uh, it, when I was a, a, a wee young curate it was much easier because we didn't sing a carol till midnight mass and, and then we got into the Christmas season now we're like the shops we, uh, we just get on with it don't we and uh, the problem is, by the time you get to Midnight Mass, you do not want to watch any more sheep at all. <laughs> but now we're in the season of Epiphany, and we begin to try and understand in this season who Jesus really was and is. We do this by looking at three specific moments when Jesus' presence shone forth. The visit of the Magi, the baptism of Jesus and his first miracle at Cana in Galilee, that of turning water into wine. It's actually my favourite miracle of Jesus as well. <laughs> On Thursday we followed the Magi to the manger to worship the Christ born to be king. And now in Matthew's relating of the good news, we jump to Jesus' manhood and we meet him once again. He meets his relative, John the Baptist, at the River Jordan. John is baptising people for the forgiveness of sins, but what John is doing is nothing new. So often we think that this is a novel thing, that, uh, but in the, in the Jewish tradition, it is a very long and expected tradition. Ritual washing was important in many areas of Jewish life. The term mikveh in Hebrew literally means any gathering of waters, but it specifically, is specifically used in Jewish law for the waters or bath for ritual immersion. The building of the mikveh was so important in ancient times, it was said to take precedence over the construction of the synagogue. So think about that for a moment. If you were to build a new church, you'd build the font first, and then you'd think about building the church. It's quite interesting. Immersion was so important that it occurred before the high priest conducted the service on the Day of Atonement, 
before the regular priests participated in the temple services, before each person entered the temple complex, and before a scribe wrote the name of God, as well as several other occasions. What John was doing was calling all people to immerse themselves in the River Jordan to purify themselves from their sins because it was through their sinfulness it was believed that the Roman authorities had overrun the nation. This was a national act of repentance that John was calling for. But to John's surprise, the last person he would expect to offer himself for baptism was Jesus himself, his cousin. He says, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus' response is, let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So often, it, this is seen as Jesus just calmly telling John, even he needs to see, be seen to fulfill the law, what the law dictates, mikveh. But perhaps it is more than this. Let it be so for now has a strange quality to it. Is Jesus saying, don't bother yourself about niceties, I'm going to be baptised to be part of the people? Or is there something deeper going on? And when our Lord comes out of the water, there is that epiphanic moment when the Holy Trinity are present in one place. The Father's voice, the Holy Spirit is a dove, and of course Christ himself. So why did Jesus need to be baptised? It is Jesus not saying to John, get on with it, but that through the baptism is not only a purification at the beginning of his ministry, but a moment of his unfolding revelation. It is the shining forth of who he is. Epiphany. Let it be so for now, to me, indicates that through this action, Christ truly empties himself and reveals himself, not only to John and those around, but also to the Father. This is him acknowledging his humanity, so that God knows he is ready for his earthly mission. In a way, and for the first time, the Trinity is revealed, but it could only have been so if Jesus had entered those waters of baptism. This baptism confirms the pedigree of the Word made flesh. That the Word made flesh has not only come to dwell among us, but that he is now ready to engage in the work that God has sent him to do. This revelation of Epiphany shows not only the presence of the Trinity, but also tells us something about the economy of the Trinity. Now the term economy, of course, comes from a Greek word which literally means household management. Is only, if only it were that simple these days. The economy of a household includes the assigning of roles and jobs within the family. 
the economy of a home is related to its efficiency. To be clear, oikonomia is never used in reference to the Trinity in Scripture. We refer to the economic trinity when we discuss the unique relationships among the three persons of the Trinity, though. And this is, I believe, why the Father is heard to say, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Because Jesus, through this baptism, acknowledges that he is ready to begin his ministry, there is no guarantee even for the Father that this should be so, because Jesus has the gift of free will. But he abandons himself to the will of the Father, so that we, his creation, may be saved. So how should we, believers, respond to this household of the Trinity? We should rejoice that Christ has emptied himself, for us, so that we may be saved. We should glorify the Father who has allowed his Son this role, and we should draw strength from the Holy Spirit who hovers over each one of us in our lives, giving us strength and insight into the utter love of the Trinity. Little Rowan, no, not the previous Archbishop of Canterbury, but my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson was sent a knitted crib set of figures in early December. They were knitted by granny and great-grandmas and great-aunts and even a great-great-aunt. And he was in awe of this, and mum and dad used it to tell the Christmas story to him. A couple of days later, baby Jesus went missing. And when asked where baby Jesus was, Rowan said, I've got Jesus in my pocket. <laughs> and it took a lot of persuasion on mum and dad's part to recomplete the crib scene because he wanted to take Jesus and show his friends. But I wonder whether actually Rowan should be preaching this sermon today and not me. Because I actually wonder whether he's got the right idea. We come to church Sunday by Sunday and we say our prayers and we sing our hymns and we then go away and leave Jesus here. We should when we come here recharging our batteries and taking Jesus out into the world in our pockets, in our hearts in our lives and in our actions it's so easy for us to use the church as a safe place to meet with Jesus but how do we meet Jesus in the not so safe places in the difficult times in our lives if we leave Jesus here compartmentalised, then I think we fail. We fail our community, we fail ourselves, and most of all, we fail God. And what we need to be able to do is to take the Christ child out into an unbelieving world and show them that faith in Jesus Christ 
can really make a difference. We are all baptised Christians. And the question I want to ask you today is, how does that affect you? Well, is it something that happened a long time ago? For a lot of us, a time we don't even remember. But how does it help us to renew our spirit? The fact that we have been given the grace of baptism. That the Holy Spirit resides in our lives. Now, if you were truly British you'd say, oh, well, that's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? You know, I don't, want, I don't want to cause a scene, so I'll lock the Holy Spirit up in, my, in myself, and, you know, because I don't want to offend anybody. But you're not British. <laughs> and what we need to be able to do is to release the Holy Spirit in our lives, so that what we do, we do on behalf of Christ, we become the epiphany in the world. We can share his love with other people and ultimately help them to see that his love saves them as well. Happy New Year. Amen.